Your it's me, good looking Lee. This is the Thank Me Later podcast. Today I got a very special guest with me. Introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, Joel, Joel Daniels. Uh, you you being you being real nonchalant, this is, this is man. A story, <laughs> I, you know, I tell stories. I tell stories through art and like you know, love. Love is like a form of activism for me. So I guess that's the best way I can. And I'm a dad. I'm a dad. That's really important. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I me. did my homework. I have questions. All of that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, first, how how, how you been? How's your week been? Oh, for a second, thank you for asking me that. Of course. Um, the week's been blessed. Like you know, uh, and like my my daughter's actually away. She's out of she's out of New York for like a month or so. So it's like I've had a month of uh, <laughs> I've been catching up with folks I haven't seen in a while. That's I've been dope. just kind of catching my breath a lot. Like been able to write in a way that I haven't written in a while. So it's been good. Like this week has just been blessed and fulfilling for me. So I'm That's appreciative. Good. Yeah. You uh, what led you to writing? Like, hmm. how how did that come about? You know, I I tried not to like go into like the whole like cliche like you know art found me but <laughs> like for on some Good, real cause on, it's giving me tight <laughs> <laughs> on some real shit art found me I um like I've been writing least since I learned how to write real That's realistically dope. like my mom was really big about not just like reading to us because like I don't really have any memories prior like predating me turning five and starting my first day of kindergarten so a lot of it was like my mom would buy me comic books she'd buy like a lot of the like scholastic books and then so once I started learning how to write and actually put sentences together, so we're talking like second grade, I was writing poems. Like my man Rasheen, who used to go to elementary school with me, he found me on Facebook and he hit me like, yo, I don't know if you remember back in third grade, I would ask you to write raps for like, for me so I can give them to girls. I definitely didn't remember that. That's fire. But that was, that was <laughs> the tip fire. I was on in like third grade. I was just writing. Y'all used to write poems like that too, though. Oh, word? Yeah, yeah, just for girls. <laughs> <laughs> you see? That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Hell yeah, I used to read them in front of the class because I figured you're not going to turn me down in front of all these oh, people. Oh, wow. Put yeah. And, and, I, and I, I haven't been turned down. So, yeah. You it see? <laughs> nice. <laughs> exactly. Take I a, did what I had to do. You take know what a saying? page out of Lee's. Yeah. Book. And I did it quick. I did it in class. Like, nah, I'm going to get this right real That's quick. That's and I used to be like, oh, you know, like we used to have uh, like a moment where you get to just. Just present your thoughts to the class, and That's I always, really, I, I used to be like, "Yeah, I got a thought, but it's about this girl." <laughs> <laughs> I got a thought. I got. I'm thinking something. Yeah, that is so fire though that you even in the classroom that they're loud. Like it was like, "Yo, we're gonna mm-hmm. give you space to like share your thoughts." Yeah, I didn't appreciate it until after, but it, it yeah. didn't happen until high school. And like my teacher, yeah. he was like so unconventional. That's what's like up. the the name of the class was Brooklyn and Beyond. Huh. Okay. <laughs> I was okay. like, this is not a subject, sir. <laughs> this is not a but subject. But he was like, he was like, yo, like, he used to tell us, like, when you get out of here, you'll realize a lot of this doesn't matter. And mm. a lot of it does. Mm. And mm. I, yeah, like, I used to be like, yo, stop trying to talk me into, like, shut up. <laughs> tell me what this is about so I can pass the class. But he just wanted us to think. And I, I'm so grateful for that class. That is so crazy. Because when you say that, it makes me think about the fact that a lot of the times we. Like, folks are trying to create a space and environment that we're not accustomed to for us, especially as folks of color. And it's like, what the fuck? What's, what's, the, what's the flim flam here? Right. Like, what are you trying here? And it's like, yeah. no, I'm actually trying to enlighten you. Yeah. Like, Get the fuck out of here. Looking back, like, I'm like, damn, I treated you like a jerk. <laughs> but you was really just trying to help me, but I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to be helped. That's what we used to I can identify. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah. identify now because now it's like, now that I'm ready and I'm open, we talk often. Yeah. And it's like, that's what's up. Wow, Lee, I remember when I taught you this. And I'd be like, just hold all of that. <laughs> I, need I don't care about none of that. Just repeat it so I can take it down. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I'd be like, come on. But that's really true. And yeah. I didn't realize it until recently. Like, you have to be ready to see these things and appreciate Absolutely. these things. Absolutely. Because 
it'll just go over your head consistently. Okay. And and when I be, and I be reading your work, I just be like, yo. A lot of it goes over my head because I'm just like, maybe I'm not ready yet. But for the most part, yeah. I take a lot of it and it applies. Yeah. Because it's like, yo, I understand this. I resonate with That's this. That's beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. I and I and from when I found your work, I don't even remember how I found it. I just be on everybody's page. That's what's up. <laughs> I just be weird. And then I'm like, yo, this is good. Nice. And usually I just be like, oh, it's nice. I'll check it out later. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. So, yeah. I'll get that Yes. Yeah. And, and it's just like. You know, things call you and things don't. Mm. But when I read your work, it was like, you know what? And he's a man of color, and I feel like we we yeah. we're we need to be represented like this. Yeah. So yeah. like having you here is just one of those moments again where it's like, y'all really did it. Like it's like <laughs> wow, because it went from me watching you on Instagram and Twitter to like now I'm sitting here talking to you. You know what I'm saying? That's like a, that, you that, holding that it down me. for black men. You holding it down. Me. That warms me so much. So yeah. Like, thank you. Like, no bro. doubt. What what do you feel like separates your work? from other works I mean um cause this can be dicey I um I make art uh you know we were having a conversation like before mm-hmm. we got on on air and the idea of I left IG essentially um because I realized like I'm not a I'm not a content creator I'm an artist you know and not to knock anybody who is a content creator or who, or who is an influencer but like when we talk about finding a lane and like you having this this the show and this airtime and really finding your lane and like your niche me recognizing i think i was trying to kind of play the game of like creating content mm-hmm. like the person that's like maybe posting stunning visuals and like very simple um like captions underneath these really cool photos and like that's just not me you know, I'm also not the person that, like, wants to post 100 pictures of my face and my daughter right. all over IG. You know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be a purpose. Like, I try to walk. I try to walk with a level of intention. You know what I'm saying? And, like, mm. purpose. So, like, even when I'm engaging in a conversation or when I'm creating art, it has to be for something and something of substance that I feel like has substance and also has sustenance. Like, it can, it can feed our community and feed our people. Right. And so, for me... I think, I, I mean, you know, calling a spade a spade, I see a lot of bullshit. Like, I see a lot of people who are kind of putting things out there that are not feeding people. Or it's feeding people, but it's feeding people, like, it's feeding people things that can be easily processed. And I think we've made it, it, you can make a decision and decide, I can feed you, I can feed you this, like, real quick White Castle cheeseburger, which I love White Castle. But that's like, a fact. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I can't eat White Castle every day. Like, Me that's neither. just not, you know, it's, it's not right. Not, it's just not right for your diet, yeah. for your bowels. My skin is looking too good. I ain't trying to <laughs> sit on nobody's toilet all day. Exactly. I got shit to do. <laughs> Literally. You know what I'm saying? You got, so I think, for me, it's just like, I, for, for me, the distinction is that I create art through the lens of the black experience as a black man relative to the human experience as well. So for me, it's really important as a black man to have a voice that speaks for a specific community. So it's for POCs, for WPOCs, LGBTQ plus A, um, like anywhere that I feel like there's an underserved community that does not have the room. I can't speak for people because that's not my job, but my job is to create a platform so that other folks feel like, oh, like Lauren Hill said something in her Unplugged CD where it's like, you lift your shirt up and it's like, oh, I have a belly button and somebody else does this. Like, everyone has a belly button. Like, we're all sharing this experience. My job is to kind of, I feel like, kind of continue to push the needle in that way. This is how I know that things only happen when it's time. You blatantly just touched on everything that I've been going through mentally and you didn't even know that like I didn't I came into this thinking like 
okay, I have a show. And everybody always tells me, like, yo, you got to do it for, like, queer people of color. Mm. And I was always just like, I don't necessarily want to attach to one specific community because it's bigger than that. Absolutely. But I understand my duty to the queer people of right, color. Right, and I'm right, just right. now coming around, yeah. but I came around. Mm. You know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Because mm-hmm. they can identify what I feel. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, I want to blur lines, yeah. but I have a duty yeah. to queer people of color. And, yeah, and, and yeah, just yeah. black women, you yeah, know what I'm saying? So yeah. you touched on that, and I never even, I've never even voiced it. These last few weeks, I've just been going through in my head like, yo, I, I do have a duty to them. Lee, don't make me cry, please. <laughs> Something like, real like that yeah. is so crazy. Like, that, that's how I know. It, yeah. it doesn't happen until it's time. And uh-huh, uh-huh. the last thing that I'm ever going to rush is, is time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I know that I can't. I know I'll be miserable doing it. I know I'll be wasting time doing it. Absolutely. And it's it's just it's a surreal thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You literally just pointed out what was going on and you didn't even do it on purpose. Like <laughs> that's, that's so dope. That's what what do you what do you think it means like when you hear the term like black male storyteller? What what does that mean to you? I, I think it goes back to Orisha, it goes back to like this the 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 ancestral drum. It it goes back to like our like our bloodline essentially. I think like, you know, there's something about, I think it was uh, the Dave Chappelle skit I always think of is, like, when dude starts playing drums and it's like... Yo, yeah, that's my start. shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's how I feel. And I feel like our job, like, we're all storytellers. We're all creatives. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, because every single person has a story. Sometimes we just tend to think our stories aren't significant. And so for me, you know, like, as I'm writing... It's like I recognize, like I was the I was the hood nigga. I was the kid that grew up in like on Creston one eighty eighth, like halfway house across the street. Drug deals in St James Park, like niggas was getting shot in, in front of the building. But I was also the dude who was like reading comic books and like I wasn't involved in any of that. I had homies who was doing shit, and so for me it was like, who? How can I speak to this experience of the kid who was like who grew up who was artsy, but then also like embraced this community, and to the point of like and also at times glamorize this community like when I was like full like fully emceeing like when I was first like really writing rhymes when I was 14 it was a lot of like yeah you know what I'm saying get the gun everybody jumps to that and I was broke like I was getting no play like I was speaking from a place that I didn't experience in myself so as a black storyteller for me it's like how do I tell these stories of 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 a, of a community that I know exists and how can I raise my platform to a place where I know I speak, I can speak a certain way better than other people can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because, like, I'm, I, I'm studied and, I mean, I'm somewhat eloquent and, like, I can, that's, that's what worked for me via social was, like, being able to process these thoughts in a way that I felt like other people hadn't seen or weren't able to. Like, I know how you feel because I've gone through it and let me explain to you how it looks. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And and I know that from just checking you out, fatherhood is, like, a huge theme in everything that you do. And I think that that's amazing. Like, we need to see more black fathers and even like with me not even having my dad there, it's mm. I always have like a special feeling when I see black men in their children's lives. Mm. So like yeah. when I first came across you, it I can't even remember verbatim, but it was like, is it your link that is like my daughter probably wrote this? Yeah, yeah, my my daughter, <laughs> my 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 my, my pseudo production company is like my daughter, my 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 daughter, my daughter. Well, my email address is like. My email signature is my daughter may have sent this. And that's yes. essentially the, the, the name of my production. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, yo, that is so dope. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Do, do you feel like your daughter saved your life? Oh, my God. That's such a heavy question, but it's absolutely true. Um, mm-hmm. I think 
You know, I wouldn't even say Lila saved my life. I think Lila gave it a new sense of purpose and a direction that it I, I felt like it lacked. I okay. think I was kind of not, and I, I've never necessarily been a going through the motions kind of cat. Like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this, and this is going to be the thing. Like, I feel like I've led a somewhat purpose-driven life, but she came in and was like, okay, that's cool, but let me show you what you probably should be doing. Right. You know, because I wasn't writing, really. I mean, I was writing on Twitter affirmations and, like, you know, I'd run a poetry grant in 2013, but I was still kind of focused more or less on emceeing, right. like the act of performing, the art of performing, spoken word, some theater stuff here and there. And then it got to the point where her mother was in her third trimester. I was feeling incredibly depressed, having suicidal ideations, and I just wasn't sure what the next step was going to be. And writing, like, I realized that I couldn't encapsulate all my feelings and emotions as a father in, like, 16 bars and a hook. So I started writing essays, and the essays all kind of sprang from this fear of fatherhood, and then that kind of led into this embracing, embracing of fatherhood and embracing my daughter, um, and her being my greatest teacher by far. Like, she teaches me every single day, like, by right. far the, the most important thing in my life. Can you identify certain behaviors that you had before and, and after her? Yeah, I think, like, even now, you know, there's something about really trying to take time with moments and silence and presence. And so Lila is a really good indicator of if I'm being present or not, you know, because, like, I have to check myself because it's really easy to kind of be on my phone to, like, quickly, like, scroll through Twitter to see if anybody's responded or something to see if the any whatever the case might be. And Lila's super independent, and so, like, I'll be reading next to her, and she'll let me know, like, Daddy, come play or whatever. She'll, like, right. let me know. Um, and then, like, I'll see things that we've taught. Like, my daughter will, like, touch a tree and be like, Daddy, look, a tree. Or she'll, like, point to the moon. Like, Daddy, look, moon. And I recognize that these are conversations that her and I have had and that how much of a sponge my daughter is. So, like, she loves playing with rocks. And that's because, like, I've created her, – her mother and I have created space for her to explore the world in whichever way she chooses. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, it's, like, it's something I tell people who aren't parents yet who are going to be parents, like – Prime example, like, we're looking at this table. There's a table. My hand is on this table. If Lila was here, I could tell Lila that this was a cup, right? And she would think it was a cup because she trusts me enough to believe in that. And so it's my job to create the world that I wish for her to live in. And so, like, that's a responsibility. And so now, like, I, I have more ownership in that way so that I know if I tell Lila anything, she will trust it. And so it's like I have to tell her the right things. Yeah. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking heavy today. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you have any advice for like uh co parenting? Oh, man. I know it's hard. I watch my brother go through it. Oh, man, <laughs> he always just be like, I ain't gonna lie, my head hurt. Oh my god. My head like, hurts. All the time. And I think, you know, blessings blessings to her mother, because her mother's her mother's a wonderful human being. We have our shit. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, taking the ego out of it is really important taking the ego out of it and being as empathetic as possible because there have definitely been times where I've been less than empathetic to her situation and, like, what she's going through and what she's doing mm -hmm. and, and honestly, some of the shit that I put her through, you know, as a black man and, like, what that means and having to, em like, fully embrace that and hold myself accountable and then also be able to move forward with this person who essentially is not getting out of my life. Right. You know, which I think she's actually my second biggest teacher. I mean, if we're being frank, because it got to a point where it was like, okay, A, this person's not going anywhere because she's she's her mother and she's an active parent the same way that I'm an active parent. Um, and then how do, how, do, how do we make this work? And I think part of that is also just kind of realizing 
there's opportunity to make it work as opposed to like if we were in a relationship and we didn't have a child, we break apart and now be it maybe I learned something from it, maybe I didn't. With her, there's a constant opportunity if I'm open to it to learn from this experience. Like, what could I have done better to help the, our communication? What could I have done better to help the situation? Take ego out and be more empathetic. It's literally like a give and take in that regard to the relationship. Well, what what steps do you feel have to be taken in order to learn how to remove your ego? <sighs> um, honesty, um, meditation, like, cause. Part of removing the ego is also removing the noise. I think it's really easy to let the noise of the outside world kind of dictate how we move, what we intake. You know, like right. not not being on IG has been so helpful for me because I realized it just become like for me, you know, like it just became like a constant scroll of shit that like I wish I was doing or I wish I had or followers that I didn't have. And it's like, what are you complaining about? You know, and granted, I, I also even saying that I, I don't think it's fair to tell people like what are you complaining about? It was like again like if you're this is the space you're in own that that's okay you don't like you'll get out of that eventually. But I think part of removing the ego is removing anything that is not feeding your higher purpose. And so like that's a that's a tiered process because you also then have to be able to identify within your spirit what your higher purpose is, higher calling, and then also being really sure about what your value system is. Like, what are your ethics? What are the things that you are willing to bend and break for? And what are the things that are non-negotiables? Right. And, and sticking to those things. Because right. the ego is driven by all of that. And the ego will continu continuously feed anything that has nothing to do with spirit, has everything to do with the superficial, physical components that people are drawn to. Yeah, I, I believe in, uh, I believe IG gets to you a lot. Um, when I moved to England, I just was like, I just got to disconnect. Yeah, it got to the yeah, point yeah. where I, I was almost even feeling burdened mm. by it mm -hmm. like i just felt like yo like every time i get on here one it leads to this vicious cycle of just scrolling and now yeah. i'm wasting time yeah now yeah. I'm, I'm i'm not focusing on what i'm supposed yeah. to be doing <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. Yeah. i'm now mad because the person that owed me money from high school <laughs> is in fucking thailand <laughs> and now I'm tight the so i just was like yo i have to get off of this <laughs> like person from high yo, school. this nigga from, in middle school that from, owed me three dollars <laughs> from high school i'm like nah yeah. you still owe me five dollars so how you get the thailand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but i'm happy for you but now i'm upset <laughs> I'm so it was like yo and like now with the show like i'm yeah. on there for business but yeah. I always tell people, like, you probably should, like, not even probably, don't DM me. If mm. you're trying to handle business, don't DM me. Yeah, because yeah, I know yeah. myself. Yeah. One, I'll forget. I won't put it in the Google yeah. Calendar. So now me and my PR lady looking at each other, and I'm just <laughs> like, well, I mean, he did say that that was the day. <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> And she like, well, you didn't put it here. And I'm like, you know, I know. But, but this is where we are. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. Yeah. And then I end up wasting more time. I didn't really mm. like the feeling. It became like. Something that was like an anchor. Yeah, yeah. And it was so weird because I was just like, I know this is not what it's supposed to feel yeah, like. And yeah. I and those few like I think it was like a month and a half. Yeah, it felt so good. It felt yeah. so good yeah. to just be present. Yeah, yeah. And and just enjoy whatever it was that I was doing. Yeah, and that's the, and you say that and that's so that's so important and it's so crazy for me because I would look at myself and say I'm a I'm a pretty present individual. I feel like. Like, I'm not the person that if I'm with where we're sitting across from each other. I'm not on my phone. Like, that's just not who I am. I don't do it. I'll check it afterwards. But it was easy for me to to see, though, in my free time, 
that was, I was I was I was reading less because I was worried about content that I was gonna post on IG, and then I'm looking at people's responses to stuff. I'm answering DMs about stories that I'm posting on IG because I'm taking my tweets and putting them on there. As opposed to now, it's like the thoughts that I have. They're either on Twitter. Or I'm just sharing them with the people that I can love, or I'm just writing them down so they serve as something else, right. like work that essentially I think is gonna be art that can live in a different space, right. as opposed to like the 45 seconds that people are gonna like on it and then like move on to the next thing that they think is hot or dope. Yeah, this is true. When when did you know like your writing had like affected other people? Like people were resonating with what you were writing. You know, I won't there weren't there wasn't like one specific moment. I'll it's I'll try to make this answer a little brief. So like when I knew that I, I was like I could actually call myself a writer was when I won the um, the Bronx Council of the Arts Poetry Grant in 2013. That was a really big deal for me. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And and then my writing mentor um, Carla Stockton, she had read my my manuscript and she's like, Joel, this is good enough to be published. You should publish a book. And granted, that was in like 2014. And I had told myself that I wasn't going to self publish. It wasn't something something I wanted to do. Whatever. Um, but I think what I think about there was a moment like I. I was on Twitter, and I was like, hey, listen, um, it was like midnight. And I was like, if people are going through something, DM me, shoot me an email, like, and let's see what we can figure out. And so people were, like, emailing, like, had a couple of people DM me about them wanting to harm themselves and, like, um, being abused and, like, trying to process that. And it was just, like, really interesting. Um, like, there were, like, about maybe, like, 35 emails that I wound up having to answer. It took me over the course of, like, three days to kind of go through everything to make sure I was answering people in a really, like, honest manner. Um, and I think there was a and there was a moment specifically where um, a young woman had DM'd me and told me that her mother um, was, like, uh, she was... I can't remember if she was in AA. She was in AA, and I think she was actually in a rehab. She was in a rehab clinic. And she had sent her mother, like, some of my tweets. And so her tweets were in her mother's, like, great, like, gratitude journal. And it was like, okay, like, this is, like, this is this is more than, like, oh, this is cool. This is, like, like this is God's work. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. so, yeah. So what, what would you say your spiritual journey was like getting here? These are some good questions. I know, man. right? I'm really good. Yeah, Jesus. you are. These are good questions. I just amazed my damn self. Those things show this. Um, I, uh, you know, I was, I was baptized as a Catholic. My mom was not a very Catholic person. Like, my mom would tell us to pray the saints or whatever, but my mom is West Indian, so, like, that's just, like, kind of, like, birthright or whatever. Um, but my sister, my sister is a ma- who an amazing woman. She, uh, she's Baptist. So when I would spend summers in Indianapolis, I'll be in their church all the time. And so, the first time I recorded was in uh, was through there. Like my my brother in law had a clothing store, and it was like RNS menswear. And so the first time I recorded raps was there, and like I was recording with these dudes who went to the church who were like super Christian, but they rapped, and I was on there like at fourteen, like yeah, fuck it, freestyling like, and it was cool with it. But like I was really like into church at one point from like fourteen to eighteen. I was like I would watch Charles Stanley on BET at like seven o'clock. Yeah, I was. I'm not gonna say I was wild. I mean, shout out to the Christians, but I was. I was baptized Catholic, and I still ain't make it to BT church. <laughs> BT church is too early. Yeah, it's BT you know? something else. It's Yo, something BT else. church is too early in the morning. I barely made it to real church, but my mother kept my ass in the church. Boy, kept me in the church. Like it was so bad, my moms would go to the 10 a.m. mass, which was in Spanish, uh, and then we would stay 
till like twelve thirty one to for the English mass. I'm like, yo, <laughs> this is too much. Yeah, Probably like I'm like, son. <laughs> and then and then it was like, ma, for real, like, come on. Like, <laughs> like this then is my enough. aunt went and got married. So like, he was like. I don't know if he's a Baptist or a Pentecostal, but I'm like, yo, the music is better here. Yeah, word. I'm going Fire. with them. Like, I'm like, ma, they got beats and all that. <laughs> they got like, beats. Like, I was like, ma, listen, you got to get your little stomp and clap down. I'm some. telling you, we in there. Your word. It's I'm fire. also still going to Catholic church. Yeah. I was so tight. I'm like, ma, I can't do both. Like, you got to pick one. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, son. And then I'm like... Like I was an ultra server and all that. Like, oh wow, like, you was really yeah, like, I was, was in knee it deep. You yeah, was in deep for the game. And I used to just be sitting. I remember one time I fell asleep in front of the church. You see, uh-uh. <laughs> I was on the altar, so wow. I fell asleep. Wow. And the dude had tapped me. He was like, "Yo, you know everybody's watching you." I was like, "Well, if you let me go back where I was at, just would nobody see me?" Yeah, so and they told my mother. My mother went to beat me in there. I was like, "Jesus is watching." <laughs> <Be> <laughs> Yeah. I was like, be careful. But that's usually where, where it comes from. Like, a lot yeah. of people start out in the church, and then we find out what works for us and what yeah, doesn't. Yeah, like, exactly. A lot of Catholicism I couldn't identify with. I always felt like they was talking about me. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, no. Yeah, and that's, and that's you know, and, you know, I don't want to get into too, too heavy of a conversation about Christianity and and. Me how, like how I want them to still listen to yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> word. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't want, you know what I'm saying? Like, but there's this, I think from, from there... It was like realizing that there was a little bit of everything. Like it kind of became like a smorgasbord for me, for like from Judaism to like Islam, and really now to to, to Buddhism. Buddhism, when we talk about um, me finding something that essentially helped lead helped me on the spiritual journey, and also we talk about eliminating ego. Buddhism played a really big part in that. Like being able to like follow these certain these certain tenets and understand that. Buddhism, in in its essence, is a lot about detaching ourselves from these things and, like, finding, like, a higher spiritual grounding that's not based in these things. And also not judging people for shit. Like, you know, this is where you are on your journey. Like, so a lot of the things that I tweet is the stuff that innately has come from me studying Buddhism. Is is Buddhism a a religion? Buddhism is a faith, I feel like. And I granted, like, the same way, much much in the same way, like, Islam is not a faith. I mean, Islam is not a religion. It's a faith, you know? Um, And then so because of that, I think, I don't know, there's something that that the openness of it, of the practice of it. And, and like, so with me, I have people who do yoga, who do meditation. I think if you're not actually taking the practice of Buddhism into that, you're missing out on so much because – the the art of yoga essentially is this. It's like it's this, it's this um being able to take our bodies and center our bodies in a way that's grounded in spirit. Um, granted, I'm not a yogi at all. Like I'm a fat black dude, with a, <laughs> like with a dad vibe. But the idea of, you know, what I'm saying like being able to just find yourself within that spiritual journey. That's what I appreciated about, um, and also about Islam too. Like it was just it, Islam was like discipline. It was like okay, and it was like things that I appreciated. Like with, with Judaism was like the there's a there's an attention to to God and like the practice of things and, like there's a way that also they respect elders that I think is really impressive right. to me that I think needs to be more that like the same I mean honestly when we look at Yoruba practice and very much is it's similar you know mm-hmm. like kind of going back to the things that speak to our hearts as opposed to doing the things that people told us to do yeah see uh, Buddhism was always presented to me as a religion mm-hmm. and then recently I had a I had one of the uh, black ink piercers here mm-hmm. and she told me like Buddhism isn't a religion yeah. And I was just like, you mean to tell me these people led me in the wrong direction? <laughs> like, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It is. But it, it, she was like, nah, it's not. Like, it's more faith. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I just was like, damn, like, perception really is 
it's so fragile. Absolutely. Because I'll take something, I'll perceive it some way, and I've made the mistake of perceiving it one way and stating that as fact. Yeah. Forgetting everybody didn't see it the way I saw it. Mm. Mm, and and yeah, 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 and I just like I had to think about it with Buddhism because I'm yeah. just like, well, people have presented it to me as a religion, yeah. And then I go back to certain ones, and I'm just like, why would you tell me this? And it's yeah. like, well, I never said that it was a religion. You perceived that, mm. and I was like, all right, relax. I know I'm wrong. Chill out. I already took full responsibility for being wrong, but it it woke me up again mm, to mm. like, yo, you got to be careful on how you take things Ooh, and yeah. then regurgitate them. Such such a big deal. Like we, and like that's and. A lot of that is like our like our cognitive biases and like the things that we've learned, like our, our own prejudices, like the things that we've learned in our past that essentially can dictate how we translate information. Yeah. And so part of that is also us just being honest with ourselves. Like you being able to do that is such a big deal because there are a lot of people who walk this earth that cannot do that, that can't say, okay, I can hold myself accountable for this thing that I stated or said or thought was a truth because I put something else into it that wasn't there originally and that comes from me. Right. Like, being able to do that, I think, solves almost, like, 98% of the problems that we have when we communicate with each other. Like, being able wow. to look at what I've done, as opposed to, like, walking into a room and, like, why are all these people doing this? Or why is this energy weird? Like, what am I bringing into the space that's right. that's contrib- that's potentially contributing to this? And granted, it doesn't mean that you are. You may not be, but what am I doing? You know, like, what am I doing as opposed to looking for reasons to blame other people for the things that are happening around me? Yeah, that's that's a fact. Do what what goes into creating a piece though? Do you have to feel something? Do you have to listen to something? What what is that process like? All those things. Like when, like prime example. So like I'm working. I'm writing. I'm writing this one man show now that I started in like 2015. And part of the process for me has just been like I, I went to go see. Um, sorry to not bother you. I went to go see Blind Spot, and I like so like those things are influencing me. Like I, I'm reading currently now. Um, Ibram X's like the definitive history of racist ideas in America, right? Mm-hmm. I just finished reading like Anna De- um, Devere Smith's uh, Twilight book, which is like her documentary play or whatever. Like walking, talking to people who are engaged, who are creative, and doing things that I feel like speak to my spirit. Um, like listening to my mother. Like you know, there are so many things. Like I, I think as a creative, the best for me, the best way to walk is to like recognize that everything essentially opens the door for us to find some levels of creativity in the process if we're open to it. And so it's like, prime example, before we got here, I was I was, I was was um, chilling with my homegirl, and the, the, these beautiful black and brown folks were voguing. They were just like, there was like a photo shoot, so they were voguing across the street. And I'm watching this, and it's like you're watching these beautiful black and brown bodies doing these things in public, right? Yeah. Um, and we like trying to, even now, thinking about the context of, this environment that essentially, especially in the New York, like this wouldn't happen in Missouri. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what? And then so being able to embrace that and say, okay, this, I don't know if I'm going to, I may not write anything about that, but I know in essence that's affecting how I process a piece. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I might write, if I write a spoken word poem, there might be a line about that. Like, some, 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 like, I don't know, but like, I'm trying to be open to the process. For me, it's everything. You know how, like, you read a lot. And uh, you speak to people a lot. Do you ever catch yourself coming off sounding like these people who you've spoken to or, or the works hmm. that you're reading? Um, I think, to your point, I think there's a way sometimes that the flavor of what we're digesting can absolutely like kind of play a role in it. I think I'm, 
I don't know if it's actually no. Yeah, I think talking more than reading, reading less so, talking more than it has to be, and it has to be me communicating with a specific individual for an extended period of time. Really, the only time that really, really happens is when I'm around family. So like, you know, having a whole bunch of family from the West Indies and from like Dominica. So like, sometimes like the little twang may come out. I've gotten I've gotten from before people be like, yo, are you from the south? And it's like because I use certain words like hell, like y'all, hell yeah, like. Mm-hmm. Like, there's certain things that I think flavor my communication because of the relationships I've had with people who are Southern or who are West Indian. Um, I think for the, like, the reading is more, I think, ideology, like, like idea-wise, I think a lot of what I'm able to speak to comes from me hearing these voices of the people in the books that I've read. I think that, if anything, has maybe affected not the way, not, like, how I talk, but the way in which I um, navigate and engage in certain conversations. Right. Okay. Okay. So I checked out your website, right? And the portfolio part, there's like, I don't even know what to call them. Are they decks? Yeah. They're, they're, so like the portfolio part, which I may actually take off because I got a job now. Part of that was a like, word? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So like, there's a, I mean, so like, you know, I, and I don't think we do enough of, as creatives and like, I'm a storyteller, but I have a day job. Like I'm a copywriter for like, and a creative PR agency. Like I've been doing that since March. But I was But copy- is that like a job? Do you love it? I enjoy being in a creative space. I wish there were more black people in the creative space. Um this is true. It pays bills. It allows me to pay for my daughter's daycare. Um and I, I do I mean granted I come from a social services background. So like this is also very different for me. Like I was working with the forensic population, with folks who were getting released from Rikers Island and helping integrate them back into the community at one point. I was doing that for seven years. Wow. And prior to, prior to that, I was working with the HIV AIDS community doing case management work, wow. COBRA work. And so doing this was a complete 180, but part of that was also my daughter who was like, I need bread. And I also, to be honest, like my spirit was being fed, but I felt like my brain was going numb because the work wasn't difficult. It was like spirit driven. Spirit work is very easy for me. But now I'm challenged almost every single day at where I'm at because it's like, it's not glamorous, but it's like, it's for some people may be cool because I write for like, I write copy for alcohol brands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like the portfolio was like, when I was unemployed, I was a point in time like recently, for like three months I was unemployed. So te- I was just a stay at home dad and I was trying to get my work out there so that I could get a damn job. Right. Um, but so like I keep that there because that, that is also a part of me. But yeah, those are decks, like decks of like copy that I've written like for social, for other, um, for other clients I was working for while I was working at that agency I was prior to the one I'm working at now. Do you do you still want to like further your career in, in deck making? Is that what you call it? <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> well, I mean, if anything, it would be it would be more like my career, like copywriting, because I don't really have to make like we make decks at the agency, but it's like, you know, prime example, like one of the clients we're working for, we have they're working on a new social campaign or something, so we have to. There's like a strategy component at the top of the deck. There's like an like and then the creative component. And my myself and our art director came together to figure out like some of the main points for that. But uh, as far as a cop copywriting, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think I mean, I think the goal the goal scenario would be for me. No, it would not be that. It would be me full time financially independent and independent. Not like I'm still struggling. Like independent. Like Lila can. Like Lila has a a trust fund and like college is paid for. She wants to go. All four right. years, um, and that would be a, a and that would be a career in art, in just art. So, mm-hmm. whether that be like, in, not even whether all the things like theater, film, um, you know, what I'm saying like music, writing, like all these things that I feel like 
I'm adept at and want to have my hands in and being able to do all those things full time because I'm not looking for work, but the work is coming to me. That is the goal. Yeah, that's big to to have work coming to you that you appreciate and are right. grateful for. And, yeah, and Thank that you, you love. Thank you for adding that because that's of also course. important. We have to be careful about what we ask for, right? Because I can get work yeah. coming to me, and that work cannot be that cannot be work that I love. It could be work that I'm like, yo, just some fuck shit. I'm not. That's I'm absolutely not, true. I'm not dressing in this Ronald McDonald costume. Exactly. <laughs> I'm learning so much now to be so specific with mm-hmm. with my intention and with the universe because I'll put something general out there and I'll get it. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, Lord, this ain't it. Like, <laughs> this ain't it. This yeah. is not where this yeah. is supposed to be. Word. But it makes me dig deeper into myself. Mm. And sometimes mm. I know for a fact I, I'll i be general about things because I don't necessarily want to deal with opening the door that mm. I know the answer is behind. So I'll just be like, nope. It's a big deal. Mm-mm. <laughs> but I've, I'm starting to see, like, suppressing it ain't helping me at all. Mm-mm. And and I've yeah. suppre- I'm so good at suppressing I forgot certain things have happened. (laughs) And I'll just be like, like now I'm going through it and I'm like, you know what? It feels like it's an anchor around my my ankle. Mm. Like you got to let it go. And I know because everything else is aligned, I know how good it can be. So I've been taking the time to like emotionally unpack Mm. and it just feels so much better. Awesome. It feels yeah. better. Yeah. But it, it feels so good that I don't know how I was doing it two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's, I think, you know... So there was a Buddhist talk I was listening to recently, and part of that conversation was like, that is human nature. Like, the pain, it's not like the pain feels good, but it's it's so, con- we're so conditioned to it that it it it's almost becomes like it's normal. And so, like, it is, it's like the same way I think about when, like, you go through a breakup or something. Like, I know for me, the first thing I normally do is I just listen to sad R&B about breaking up with people. That's a fact. Like, why would you, why would you make, why would you torment yourself with some Johnny Gill? Or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, Damn, then, you're right. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you make it worse? Like, you make it worse. Like, you dive deeper into yeah. it. I remember I remember being dealing with dealing with a, a, a young woman, and, like, I was sad. And, like, we're talking, like, recently. And I started playing um, <laughs> Brandy's, uh, Brandy and Wanye's um, Broken Heart. Like, Broken Hearted. That shit had me. That I, will do it That shit had me yo. in the belly. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling it. Nah, I went through something like that recently too. I was listening to Sam Smith and I was <laughs> tight. So Sam Smith is just heartbroken for everybody. Everybody. I was so tight. Yeah. I was like, yo, I'm a bastard to myself. <laughs> Cause she didn't press play. I did. Like, <laughs> yeah, you did. This. And but it took so long for me to get there. Like I'm yeah. talking about this was weeks of me listening to like the same four songs. <laughs> yeah. That I was yeah. like, yo, I don't want to listen to this no more. I'm sick of it. Like yeah. it got so bad. One day I seen somebody retweet Sam Smith. I was like, get this shit off my timeline. I'm sick. I hate him. Like, Bam. Yo, but it's not his fault. It's not her fault. I yeah. was doing that to me. Yeah. So it was like just deciding to change like the channel yeah. or, or the dial. Like, yeah. It, it's hard, though. It is. That shit is hard. And like you said, and I think you said something I think that's so important because we talk about changing the channel and essentially that's what it is. Like we're changing the channel in our brains. Mm-hmm. But you have to be ready to do it. And like part of that, I, part of that process, I think we don't talk enough about relationships in the, in 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 like the bereavement um, space because like bereavement essentially is the death and dying process, right? But mm-hmm. relationships also die, and like what does that look like for a person that's recovering from that relationship? You have to process it, and sometimes it, there's like a hate, right. you know, like the 
the not not the non-belief of the thing that's now ended, but then having to deal with that. And that's a process. And some people that's listening to Sam Smith and Brandy and um Wanya. Nah, they good. They good. I'm, I'm off of it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it no more. <laughs> no more I don't care what I'm thinking. I quickly, immediately t- change that. <laughs> if I feel myself getting sad, I'll put on the most ratchet shit I can find. <laughs> I don't up. care. I'll turn put on up. back that ass up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That'll get you right out. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't want right to do it. Because yeah. I don't want to feel that. But I've learned that for me personally, I at least have to take the time to feel it. Absolutely. Because I'll run from it. Like, yeah. no, nah, I don't want to feel like, nope. Yeah, and Lee, that's not just a you thing. I think everybody, every single person walking this earth needs to be okay with confronting and sitting in the space because a lot of what people tend to, what, a lot of what people tend to think, and something I learned very much through therapy, the idea that you can see the, like, you can see both the good and the bad and, 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 and essentially you're supposed to like, that's how it works. Like, you can't acknowledge one without the other. Like, there's a reason why there's a yin and a yang. There's, like, that's the balance. And so not not living in that space of balance is going to create disharmony in your life. And you're going to keep wondering, like, yo, why, why aren't these things happening? Because you're not sitting enough in that space of the non-good things in order to be able to really relish in and embrace and enjoy the good shit. Because you haven't given yourself the time and space to allow for both energies to live within you. Because they just do. It's impossible to just have all good. The same way, honestly, even and not to get too far deep because this could be this is gonna this could be a uh, this could be controversial with the idea that if someone is born into poverty or like you're born into a third world nation where it's like let's say you have no legs, you have no like we could let's just think of the worst possible scenario, right? Right. But it's like does your father love you? Or like there literally is a way to find good in something, you know. Right. Um, is it easy? No. Um, do we have to? That's debatable. But I think there is rhyme, cause, and reason to suggest that there are, there's a plane for both. Like there is good, even even in moments of duress and like stress and angst and like pain. There's some good in there. You just have to be willing to find it and do the work for it. Yeah, you're right. I read something recently about uh just uh trading out like mm. even negative words in your vocabulary. Yeah. Like uh, it said replace I'm sorry with thank you. And the yeah. example was, instead of saying I'm sorry for being late, I say, saw that. Yeah, say yeah. thank you for waiting on me. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's such a small switch, mm. but it works. It works. Like, even hearing it to me, like, just, that just warm, like, that just sent, like, some warm stuff in my yeah, body. Yeah, you know, I would be telling to do that. You, you know, know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a skill. Yeah, that's but skill. I was like, when I read that, I was like, yo, there's, there is such, there's levels to this. Like, there's a whole nother world that Absolutely. you can access. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. A year ago, you couldn't tell me that. Really? A year ago, I'd have been like, "Absolutely not. That's dumb." <laughs> That's but dumb. and I can, I can, I can call myself and be like, "Yo, I was an idiot. Like, yeah. I just wasn't even ready to access things like that." A year ago, I probably would have just been like, "Now I have to block your page because you're stupid." So, so what? What do you think? Was there like a turnkey? Like, what do you think? There was a moment. Were there moments that kind of like? Because I'm always curious about like people's. Like how people transcend like certain spaces in their lives and like how to get to certain places. There's definitely more than one moment, right? So mm. when I got back from England, I came back for a funeral, mm. and just the things that got exposed within my family, it just was like I understand. Well, I knew, like I knew that I can't depend on nobody. Mm. Um, but I just was like, yo, like. I don't even want to be in a space ever again where somebody has, like, the power to make me feel mm. like I'm not shit because I don't have all the tools. Mm. And yeah, it was just yeah, like, yeah, 
Yeah, and it was just like, you know, my immediate family is just so, like, loving and supportive. But I have family in other places. So it's just like, yeah. yo, y'all watch me grow up too. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one of those things. And then, like, just dealing with the death, it was like, yo, it was a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. like, And then the death triggered, like, serious depression. And then one day I just was like, I don't want to feel like this no more yeah. because everybody knows me to be, like, this uppity, happy person. And I was yeah. like, yo, I haven't been that person in months. Yeah. So it was just like, what can I start doing? And really, I think the moments that started me beginning my transcending of where I was, yeah. it was it was moments that I didn't even realize. Like yeah, I just yeah. started, I started going outside. Mm. At one point, I was just in the house. I yeah. didn't want to go nowhere. I didn't want to talk to nobody. Yeah. Then it's like, all right, you have to readjust. I started going outside. Start meeting people. Yeah. I actually got jobs. And yeah. and then it was like. Okay, I have to get back into the rhythm. Yeah, and then yeah. by the time I was like set in these jobs, it was like, hey, wait a minute, this is not me. I quit every job. I'm not happy here. I'm leaving. <laughs> but I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that you guys even took me in. I met amazing people. Yeah. And I just was like, yo, these people look to me because I'm always the uppity one. They look to me, but how they look to me, I don't even have it together. Mm. And it was like, how about we just get it together? Yeah. That's okay. really what it was. How about yeah. we get it together? And slowly it started. It was like a change in thought first mm-hmm. it was like you know what i can do it yeah. yeah and then from me saying i can do it mentally i started saying it out loud and mm-hmm. then it felt like i could yeah and like some crazy way it just came together and i started doing it yeah but i yeah. never like nine months ago i didn't think this show would be here because yeah. i was just like yo i'm just trying to get me a job so i go back to england like, <laughs> i'm just trying to get me a little job so i can pay for my ticket back <laughs> and then it was like the show i like people always say like when did you find the show? The show really found me, for real. Because yeah. I really came to the studio just to try it. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to stay. I've been here nine months now. Like, yeah. So next month, me going to England, I can't wait. Because it's like, I was supposed to have been back here, but I yeah. just wasn't in the space to be here. Right, right. So now that I'm just better, I can't wait to see what I take from this now. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even see the situation the same. Like, It was so peculiar. Like, yeah. I could have I still went back and been okay, but I didn't think so. Yeah. I think yeah. it was just maybe I didn't believe yeah, maybe that I makes was. Sense. Yeah, maybe I I was assessing the situation from a point of doubt. Mm. Maybe I just was like, "Yo, you, this is a sign, son. You can't." Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that starts with me, for me though, because I know I hear a lot of people like, you know, everybody's everybody's world is different, and I respect it. Mm-hmm. For me, I believe that I I took a lot of responsibility in me feeling that depression. I feel yeah. like I, to a certain extent, I may have attracted it because in the back of my head there was mm-hmm. always like, you know, yeah. can you do that? Yeah. I always question my own ability. Yeah. I don't, and I still deal with this sometimes. Yeah, but it's way less than yeah. it was. Yeah, and that's so, important. Yeah, that's important. And I feel like a lot of what, outside of uh, a person's like chemical imbalance. So like if a person's per, person suffers from bipolar disorder or mood disorder or anxiety disorder or paranoid, like whatever the case may be, a, a lot of and you know a lot of it is essentially under our control. Right. You know, like it is really about the thoughts, the things that we are thinking and putting how much weight that we put into them. Like, And people miss the ball on that when it comes to meditation because a lot of the times folks will think that they have to meditate. Granted, I'm not a meditation guru by far at all, like not even close. But the idea that when you're meditating, it's not that you have a clear mind all the time or that your mind is just consistently open. It's the idea that the thoughts are going to come anyway. 
Like right. there's no way that you can negotiate yourself out of thinking the things that you're thinking. It's about being able to see them. Like my therapist used to say, like you treat negative thoughts and really like I think positive thoughts as well. But you treat negative thoughts as clouds, and so you recognize them for what they are and you let them pass. And so like it's the idea that we're not attaching ourselves to these thoughts because when we, again, I feel like I'm bringing up Buddhism a lot, but like what I learned is that pain, pain is pain is constant. Like pain will happen. The suffering is a choice, and the suffering comes when we attach ourselves to the pain. So that if you can't, if you can see the pain for what it is, recognize it for what it is, then that's it will eventually pass. The suffering comes from when we try to change ourselves out of this circumstance, or we try to oh, do, yeah, absolutely. you know, what I'm saying where it's like, oh, I wish I didn't feel this way. It's like that you're suffering. Right. Because you're wishing for something that you have no control over yet. Like, right. all you can do is process this emotion and let it be what it is going to be. Because the good things go in the same way. Because we're like, oh, man, I had coffee with this dope person. Hope this time never ends. It's going to. Right. Like, your suffering is coming from, like, your attachment to the circumstances, to this thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's so heavy because just hearing it and being able to say, yo, I can identify a time where I've done that. It's easy to to say, well, damn, maybe I don't have it figured out. I mean, and that's fine. Yeah, exactly. I never really was really okay with the fact that I didn't have it figured out. Of course, yeah. Because I just yeah. was like, yo, I remember when I was in school, I said, yo, by this age, I would have it. So it's like letting go of that was scary, but I've realized it was something I had to do in order to remain sane. Mm-hmm. That shit was driving me nuts. That, and that's and that you are not you are in the same boat. We are all in the same boat. I try to tell people that so often, especially via social. Like we are all in the same boat. Like, going through the same shit. Even when I say that, I hear Lauren Hill in the back of my head because, like, our unplugged CD for as much, like, shit that it got and, like, it didn't do well. There was so many jewels that she'd spoken in, like, the process of making those two CDs where it's like, and she said it, like, we all in the same boat, all going through the same shit. Like, we all have it. And so how do we deal, you know? And I think part of that is also just kind of being okay with not being okay and detaching ourselves from outcomes and expectations and recognizing that detaching ourselves from those expectations doesn't mean we don't expect the best of ourselves or of people, but it means it's like I'm not going to judge you if it doesn't, if you don't live up to that. Right. You know? And even potential. Yeah. Potential get in our way so quickly and so fast. Absolutely. That it's just like, yo, you could be so much better. Maybe you can, but maybe not right now. Maybe and, not and right that's now. not bad, right? Yeah, it, you know, it, it comes, yeah. it comes. Yeah. What, what do you? What would you say your your style of spoken word is like? Are you one of those like cadence type, like like yo, this guy is blue and and, and uh, the ground is no, not. No, I ain't gonna front sign. I always want to be one of those. <laughs> if you are going to <laughs> drink fact. from the river, then <laughs> drink from the river. Yeah. I nah, always wanted nah, to be one. Nah. I just was like, yo, they are so fire. <laughs> they like, are so fire. I was like, I was so like infatuated <laughs> with spoken word artists just for the cadence delivery at one point. Uh, <laughs> and my teacher was like, like, what is it? And I was like, I don't know. I think I just want to be a rapper. Yeah, so. the, I mean, and for me, like, I'm a, I'm an MC. I'm an MC first and foremost. Like, I grew up in Cyphers battling cats, freestyling or whatever. So when I'm doing spoken words, like, I'm doing spoken word like a rapper, okay. essentially. I'm just like, except I'm just slowing down my verses. Like, right. I was never, fa- like, I, I, I'm, I'm anti. I'm so anti. Like, if you are going to find yourself, <laughs> then find yourself in the forest, brother. Then, then like, I'm like, I would be sitting there Yo, like, they come kill on. me with that brother. Yeah. They be, I'd be like, oh, he about to say something. He about to shit. Yo. And, like, we've gotten to, like, you know, like, and I, I I did it too. Like, you know, you do spoken word, so it becomes easy to either 
you, you do one or two things. You talk about the government, you talk about black love. Like right. when it's tripping down my neck and the juices, like, come on, man. You trying to you trying to get the ladies out here. All right, cool, I'm with that. That's what's, that's what's up. But it's like, for me, it's just it's like when we talk about black storytelling, like there's so many stories that we can tell. And it's it what I've always found interesting and something I've written about and I'm kinda of trying to write more about is like our our love with like discussing and dissecting the death and dying of black bodies and how like I wish sometimes sometimes I wish I could be like a white folks who just have feel like they have this freedom to like write about green tea and and like poems that essentially don't have weight to them but they can write but they, they it's not like they're not beautiful pieces but it's like they don't have this uh they don't have this burden of like their people, quote unquote, that kind of feels like it has to live in their writing if they're writing something. Right. Like when you're writing raps, it's different. Like you're writing a poem, I, it's really you're rare to find a poem that either, either isn't talking about love in a very like not so layered but very direct context, or it's like we're talking about black bodies dying or like the government fucking us in the ass and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And wanting to kind of explore what it means to like write a poem about a toothbrush. You know, and yeah. as crazy as that sounds, the, the liberation that comes from saying, as a black person, I can write about something else other than us dying. Right. And I feel like there's there's always, like, like I always tell people, enough with the slave movies. But when <laughs> I say that at first, everybody's like, what? You can't run from your history. I'm like, I never want to. Yeah. I want to understand. I just feel like right now, at least, we should be portrayed as, as more. Because we know where we come from. And, yes, it's it's important to make people understand, like, we have been oppressed for years. Mm. But it's also important to show them we no longer will be or need to be. That, and I, yeah. I say that, and everybody was just, like, I always got a tax for saying I said it face-to-face. <laughs> I've said it online. Yeah, They're just yeah, like, yeah. no, nah, you can't say that. But I'm just like, think about it. You don't want to see somebody that looks like you doing something that mm-hmm. you want to do. Yeah, You don't want to know like mentally just take a mental photo of oh yeah I could do that yeah and like this is so well I have the opportunity like for I hope folks go see blind spotting I hope folks go see sorry to not bother you because we're talking about stories that essentially are written like Boots Riley you know what I'm saying leader of the band the Coop you know writing sorry to not bother you and V Diggs star of Hamilton Another brother, like an, along with his friend and, and homie Rafael Cassell, like persons of color writing these things that are doing well, and also support different stories of the black and brown experience and why those things matter. Um, I think for me, it's like recognizing that yo, like folks have there's different ways to tell these stories and there's different components of these stories. And yes, we want to support folks who are doing work that lives just outside of these certain specific narratives because like. Like you, like motherfuckers get paid to just like make horrible ass movies. Yeah. Like and so like we owe every time there's a black movie or a black movie experience, it feels like we have to encapsulate the entire black experience into this movie because we don't get the opportunities to do it, okay. as opposed to like folks who get to make movies like The Boondock Saints or like When Harry Met Sally and all these other romantic comedies that are not called white movies. It's not like they're talking about the white experience. It's just a human experience with white people in it. Right. And so wanting like wanting to get to the point where there's enough black cinema and black publishing happening so that it's not it is it encapsulates the black experience but it speaks to the human condition as a whole which I think the work does already yeah. um but we don't we're not giving room to do that because our platform is so small and minimal. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um go ahead and tell everybody where they could find you, where they could check your work out. 
all of the good stuff. Um, you know, I'm on social. Um, my IG is still active. I don't use it, but um, social. Uh, it's uh, Joel J O E L A K A M as in Mary A G Joel A K A M A G. That's on Twitter and Instagram. You can find my book, videos, link to my Bandcamp, music, YouTube stuff, all that, um, on my website, uh, mydaughtermayhave.com. Uh, yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything coming up. It's uh, pretty much it. Yeah, those are the best places to find me. You know, so okay. like, reach out. I'm not hard to find. Like Leo tell you. That's a fact. That's a fact. Because I, I I tweeted this, man. That's how I got him on the show. But, you know, don't try my tricks because I'm Lee and you not. So. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people, like, yo, how you did this? Oh, it was easy, but don't try it because I'm being you not. We, the universe just love me like that, you know. But y'all know how it go, yo. Uh, I appreciate y'all listening as always, man. Uh, I'm me, good-looking Lee, and I'm out of here.